right. Welcome to another Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast. Very special in-studio guest here, HOF. HOF. Part of your name. Oh, you got the hat too today. I got the hat. There, there is so many things around the house to put on that have HOF on them. It's a rare day when I don't have something that says HOF on it. Deservedly so. It's it's Hall of Fame season. Yeah. We recently had one of the inductees this year, Joe Joe Thomas on. Did you really? Yes. So I had a, the broadcast of Joe Thomas's last full game that he played, mm. and he was injured the next week. And uh, ten thousand. Whatever, 960 like, is is that the number uh, they'll get the number i, I think second. i think that is pretty close to the number there it is how many games here's the thing and this is what we talked about on the podcast a little bit how does your shoe not come off or an equipment yeah. issue for a play or you know who knows like something you get poked in the eye or or you get poked or, in the eye well he probably did get poked in the eye but it just didn't come out yeah, I mean, he played that, with one eye open. He could have been a Raider, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Raider great, as Taylor 10, would say. 10,363 is what he had. 363. Okay. Yep. But that's every offensive play. Every that's, offensive yeah, That's what's crazy about 167. Well, the Brickishaw uh, Ferguson, yeah. who played for the Jets, yes, had a yep. streak like that, and they pulled him out on a, like a fourth down play mm-hmm. that was kind of an oddball play. And he was not happy with that. And, at the end of that season, he said so long. What was uh, what was his number? Where was he at? I don't know what his number was. It wasn't in the Joe Thomas range, but it was it was up there. He had a consecutive streak, I think, for his entire career. That's uh, crazy. He told a bunch of stories and, and uh, different things, but yeah, it's just amazing that how even without injuries, like you know, yeah, <laughs> that to not miss a play, offensive play. Shaw was 160 regular season games in a row and seven playoff games without yeah. missing a snap. Yeah. yeah. So he was more than halfway there. Yeah, he was close. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, to have, you know, a Philip Rivers type streak was pretty special. And, you know, I mean, it, it takes a lot uh, to have a streak like that. It, it, it does. I think once you get on it and if you have a coaching staff that's going to allow you to play when you're and you're playing a position where it's not going to hurt the rest of the team. So you you can have a receiver out there with a slightly sprained ankle that couldn't play left tackle, couldn't play guard because he'd be pushing on it every play, but he could kind of get away with it and mask it at his position. I think you could do that, but there are some positions where if you're not full go or if you're not close to full go, you can't get out there and do it. Hmm. No question. No question, but hats off to me. It's Hall of Fame series here with Hall of Famer and uh, the hat and the jersey and one of the things is like you probably you definitely sign HOF more often than I put MD behind me. <laughs> <laughs> you're required to. You every time you sign, you're supposed to put HOF. I, I you do. And it's interesting. I used to put HOF two thousand three. Now it's just O three. Okay. And I know that's quick, but even when I do sign things that people send me in the mail, I then put what year I signed them. So it's interesting. Oh, I've okay. seen people who I've met at card shows and they bring something up and they want something new signed. They'll show me something old. Say, oh, you signed this back in 2014 and there's a 2014 on it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. I've always, look, I guess in theory, when I sign prescriptions and things, although signing with electronic medical records is less and less common, I'm supposed to sign. David Chow and B. I go to DJ or D Chow. And I don't is even it, put do you get, do you have your bad handwriting. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. There, there, was, there, was, there was no hesitation in that either. <laughs> to, 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 to be fair, 
Well, don't, wait, don't most people have bad handwriting nowadays? Because you don't know who handwrites I, anymore. I have a good signature, and, uh. and I'm I even say that, and I'm not you know being facetious about it. My signature looks good, and when I sign it. Quick story. Remember Charlie Batch, backup quarterback in the National Football League? All right. So, so, nice Charlie Batch had a scribble. And I remember telling him, I said, Charlie, you were not good enough to sign your name like that where people can't read it. So here's, oh, you got to oh, start this. Good. That's pretty good. Pretty he's good. Got, I he's think got that, it down to a science right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. The L and the F are, that, that's okay. what gets me yeah. right there. So, yeah. to, to, to be fair, and I don't want to. The, the big loops there. Yes, I, I don't want to ruin this here. Give me another piece of paper. There. I don't want to ruin this nice piece put, of put paper. It, put them together. Put, put, put them together there? No, it's it's, it's, it's okay. It's Not only will we be able to sell it, we'll be able to get a prescription to go along with it. <laughs> there's, that's two for one right there. There's mine oh, as I sign quickly, physical, like the three dozen physical yeah, therapy there, reports that I have to sign. hand right there, too. There, 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 there's nothing in there that says David Chapman. <laughs> no. The, the D is close to a P. Yep. He's the expert. <laughs> and so when, when I'm looking at like a, a ball or a helmet that's been signed by a lot of Hall of Famers, I notice that the guys who are maybe 50 years and older, better handwriting, the guys who are a lot younger, it's a scribble. And sometimes you can figure out who they are by what Hall of Fame class they went in. But it's like really working. And I'll be at a card show. Somebody will come up with a helmet and they've got a ton of signatures. And I'll go, who's that? And they go, I don't know. And it's their <laughs> helmet. <laughs> I mean, it's, well, it's, it's pride, right? Yeah. It, but so for my, for me, my excuse is literally I'll have three dozen physical therapy scripts to sign off and this, that, the other. And so, and it's not for a fan that needs to know. And by the way, the difference is when I sign, my name is already printed there because on the note, on the note yeah, or the whatever. The doctor, you, so know, you, know, it's, you know what Nick Nicolau, one of my old coaches would say, uh -oh. any excuse will do. <laughs> <laughs> That's my excuse. And you're sticking I, to I, it. I'm sticking to it. You can't, uh, you, you can't do that. There's just oh, no comparison. That's night there. and day. Right there, it's yeah. night and day in terms of when you go to the extra level. So you're probably one of the guys. So I saw guys all the time, you know, and there's all these guys that would get little kids to sign to get players to stop. And, yeah. and look, I know you. You have no problem signing for any no. fan, always. But I, I could understand why some players are like, you're just trying to make money off of you're not well, even a fan. And and I think that they they believe that they're going to be uh, more bombarded than what they're going to be. Uh, I watch baseball players pregame, and I, I know they're just scribbling their name, but they'll go and they'll say, okay, I'm going to spend 10 minutes here. And so when we go back to Canton, there are people lodged outside our hotel and they're there 24 hours a day and we will come back from an event my wife will go go sign go sign i said i don't want to sign go sign go sign so i go over and sign i say okay i'm going to sign 11 because i played 11 years in the nfc or something like that okay. i'm going to sign eight today and so you'll go and you'll talk to the people and uh -huh. i think it's more the interaction uh -huh. that the people like as opposed to just getting the autograph each and every time yeah well, I often thought, I mean, no one's really asked for my autograph, but uh, if they did. Wait till this comes. Yeah. <laughs> they're right. gonna, they're gonna it's coming. Yeah. Well, well, actually, I have autographed well, uh, one year, the two years we were at the Pro Bowl, 
you know this they they pass around the ball for yes. the whole room at the introductory meeting and i'm at the introductory meeting as a doctor and they're passing the ball and i'm like ah, i'm not saying they're like no 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 everyone signs on the so i i signed and and what i actually have one of the balls over there See, there you go uh, that you know and i don't know maybe i was more legible then i don't know <laughs> it just i mean it just but I, but as you can see here i i definitely don't put md behind my name typically it's no. too many letters to to write and you're right it's not a great signature you you win hands down there but uh i often thought that if someone if i thought someone was like you know trying to sell the autograph because i think you're right it's about the interaction yeah. i would simply say who is this to and if, it's, if they don't say steve yeah. my dad steve i'll say to steve and it's worth more to that person well, makes it unsellable but you also or realize they are collectors so they're there they're putting in the hours they're standing out there okay and you'll sign one item for them so if <laughs> quick story i was flying into cleveland uh -huh. for an event and earl campbell was on my flight uh-huh and so the guys who are working for the airline or maybe working in the baggage they know who's coming in at certain times so there were three guys there and they said would you sign a couple of autographs? I said, I'll sign one for each person. So I signed one for each person. They went over to Earl. And they said, Mr. Campbell, will you sign? He go, 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> he got $150. Oh, and oh, I'm sitting there he's going, get a couple, he's right? my idol. <laughs> he's my idol now. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's pretty good. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty good. I, I, I have told a story here before that I was a, a charity event in town here. And they were selling um, autographs. You you buy a football for hundred dollars, sure. And every player that you get an autograph from, you pay the player twenty bucks. And it goes to charity. Yeah. So you're supposed to sign. You're supposed to sign in. I bought the football, but I wasn't really getting a lot of players because, you know, to me the meaningful any memorabilia is like you know there's sort of an implication. And you go to my office and you look at the walls. Like yes, I have a jersey from Peyton Manning. That's because. I helped him out and he sure. signed it right or you know there Drew was interaction Brees. there's there. interaction right yeah, there's uh, a story behind it although i need a james lofton so now to think of it <laughs> now anyways there's a story interaction uh behind it right that's personal that's medical as opposed to transactional so i was like yeah i think he was he was sign sign you know it's 20 bucks give me the 20 bucks the athlete was you know having fun so i had fun back and i said okay sign it but then i want you to sign hof and the guy said, well, I'm not, I can't. I said, then I'm not paying the $20 because I know you're going to be HOF. Oh. And they actually said, I know that's a big no-no. Oh, that is. Which is actually. A premature signing, huh? Which is actually why I have never said his name. That's and, good. And he is in the Hall of Fame now, so they probably can't take it back. No, they won't take it back. And my final clue is. But you, you do want to wait to your induction ceremony uh, to start it. I, it was in fun and in jest. Yeah. But I have joked with him in years after that, before he got in and said, you know, I could blackmail you with this because if we show this out, that's not going to be taken very kind. I would never do that. It was just in fun. Yeah. My final clue, and I, was, I will not say who it is. You actually know him. Of course you do. You know everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just a, a fun thing, not a big deal. So tell us, uh, you're headed to Canton again. I know it's yes. fun. Tell us something about Canton or the Hall of Fame ceremonies or something that the average fan wouldn't know, good or bad, that makes you like or not like the event. Either way, one of each, whatever you think. Well, when the speeches were, were not really limited, but they were advised to be limited, 
there were a few players who were sitting there as they're listening to the speech or timing it on their cell phone. And they would, you know, you'd see them hold up their cell phone <laughs> and they'd hold it up at the 10 minute mark, the 15 minute mark, the 20 minute mark. Cause I think each speech was supposed to be about seven or eight minutes maximum. Uh -huh. So once they went beyond those, and then when they finally finished, you do that and then you show it home. That just went 42 minutes and eight seconds. So that's one of the things we're, but you're also acutely aware that this is that one opportunity that those players who are coming in or coaches or contributors have a chance to talk about their life in the game and all the people who influence that life in the game. Yeah, I, I get it. That's and so would did they would you guys privately shame guys afterwards or the length of their speeches? Well, or? we we would erupt with applause when somebody went six minutes. And like it, <laughs> oh. somebody who gets up there and they get straight to the point, they are under the time and they've done everything and talked about all the people that they want to talk about. It's pretty nice. That's good. So it's a positive reinforcement. Yeah. And a lot of times there are stories that guys are telling that, that you don't know. You don't know their story and you don't know how impactful it is. Um, so that's why that allowance on giving people a little leeway, a little, little grace while they're up there telling their story goes a long ways. No question. No question. I mean, uh, the Hall of Fame thing, the ceremony is a public part, but to me, there's so many special parts of it. I've been lucky enough to go a couple of twice so far. And uh, the first time I went, unfortunately, was the year Junior was inducted and right. Junior wasn't around. And um, But the interactions that were there, and, and maybe people were very nice to me because they kind of knew I knew Junior. Like, I know Franco Harris was very nice and came up. But I was at, what was the name of the hotel that, it's not there anymore, that everyone stayed at? Um, a presidential name. Yeah. Uh, McKinley Grand. Yes, the McKinley Grand. See, it's all up here. The pinwheel <laughs> starts to spin, and hopefully you get out. That lobby bar yeah. was the most star-studded area I've ever been. Like, literally, but eight out of nine, eight out of eight or nine out of ten people there were, like, Hall of Famers. So, like, so it was think like about, everybody. Think about, you know, when we're in a big city and we look up, we don't see all the stars. You go out to the desert and there are all the stars. So you walk into that bar and it's like you're in the desert, but all the other stars just think, oh, everybody's just here. Yeah. And it's just guys sitting around talking and guys telling stories about very, each other and about what they remember playing and this and that. And so, yeah. Very, very, very special. And not to make this podcast serious. I remember uh, I've often thought, I don't know what you think about this. If uh, what would have, would things be any different if Junior would have made it to the Hall of Fame personally? Because I think he would just love that audience and crowd. Being a Hall of Famer, yeah, and, yeah. The, and the people, like, and, and like every he owned the room and just like just relating to everybody and and sharing things, but not not to get serious. The, well, I I was at a golf event two days before his death, and I remember him. We were getting ready to line up to take celebrity picture, and I remember him running in a little bit late. And uh, I can still feel when he shook my hand. Mm. So he had that type of personality where it just, like you say, mag magnetism, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it carried over into how he played the game. That passion that he had 
um, you know, we just wish that that passion could have kept the light on in his life. No question. And, and my personal thought is uh, seeing how he reacts among other mm -hmm. players and former players, whether it's golf tournament socially, that he would have absolutely loved the atmosphere oh, yeah. at, in the Hall of Fame in Canton and looked forward to it. And, um, you know, it's, uh, my little contributions are you like everyone that I've ever has ever met him is like, he's the greatest guy. Like within two seconds, he makes you feel comfortable in yep. every situation. Yep. And he's never met you. And you remember, it's like he's a friend. But I will tell you my personal side of this is that uh, since you mentioned your handshake, there's only one surgery in my life that I have missed and that I could not do. So I'm not calling myself Joe Thomas, like, you know, from residency, internship, fellowship to my practice. If a surgery was scheduled, no matter how sick I was or this, that, the I never missed anything. And that's just the medical profession. But I tried to, but my wife was right. I was in surgery the day the word came down that the 911 call for Junior. And in my heart of hearts, I knew that he wasn't going to yeah. make it. And, uh, I rightfully skipped that next surgery that day. So that's the only one for yeah. me. But anyways, uh, more fun stuff. Uh, so James, <laughs> look, Hall of Fame is one thing, but you have a record that I don't think can be surpassed. Uh-oh, I'd love to hear that one. Who in the history of NFL has been on more Ring of Honors individual <laughs> team Hall of Fames? Nobody. But you, you know, I, I was surprised at how teams kind of embrace you <laughs> and because it's not something that's planned. It, it's interesting when, when I was going into the hall of fame 20 years ago, people asked me, well, what team are you going in with? Because they kind of equate it to baseball where yeah. baseball players pick a team and a cap to wear. And there's some lobbying amongst the teams sure. and there's some lobbying amongst the players to get, compensation for going in with a team and so the only thing that the hall of fame will have is the little bit of memorabilia and it's expanded over the last 20 years so when i went in there were a lot of things with green bay packers on them mm -hmm. and a few things with buffalo bills on it but mm -hmm. my cards and different things like that were all packer cards mm -hmm. thurman thomas when he entered the hall of fame he noticed that you know they had a buffalo bills cup with all the players on it he said well where's james lofton he went to somebody at the hall of fame and said james lofton should be on this cup so that was the impetus of putting me on that one on the raiders i don't think i'm on the eagles or the rams but who, who knows <laughs> but so teams that you had a significant amount of time with um kind of do embrace you and that's kind of good because when you look at players now it's it's not unusual for a guy who's really good to play a dozen years and to have three significant stays as opposed to one and then two where you're kind of the old man on the team well i don't know if there are any records maybe taylor you can google it uh, what how many people are on more than one ring of honor or you know officially with a team I think you're hard pressed to find people with two. You probably can find some, I would imagine, but three. So, so the story is we, when, when you were coaching with the chargers and we'd go on a, on a way <laughs> trip and, you know, we do the walkthrough on Saturday, we're looking for stuff to do always. And, you know, here we go, we, we go into green Bay and there's James Lofton and everyone would give you grief. And then we'd go to Buffalo and there's like a, a 
37 foot yeah. high picture of James Lofton in the practice facility. And he's in a Buffalo. That Bills was the jersey. one that, because I hadn't seen it surprised me the most. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the neat thing in the Packers receivers room for a while, there were three receivers who were on the wall, Sterling Sharp, myself and Don Hudson. Mm. And Every time I think about Don Hudson and I look at his records when he played, his records were very similar to like Babe Ruth records because he would have more receiving yardage than quarterbacks would have passing yardage in a lot of seasons. So Mm. he was really unique, way ahead of his time, just like Babe Ruth as a home run hitter was way ahead of his time. And people are still trying to catch up to his numbers. Well, yeah, in an era when you're not really throwing the ball, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tremendous. But then we go to the Raiders. I'm like, how long are you on the Raiders? And you're on the ring of honor of the Raiders. It's like two years. And I mean, well, they were doing a new stadium. So they just like throwing guys up there. But they had, they had the saying, they had the saying, and a lot of teams have the once same saying once a Raider, always a Raider. That is so true. And I'll give you a name Ron Foster. Mm hmm. Ron Foster was a guy who ran with me in my running group in Los Angeles when I was with the Raiders. Well, I started seeing him at some of the Raider alumni, alumni events. And, but I knew him from when we ran together, but I don't remember him as a Raider player. So seen him about the third or fourth year at such and such an event. So I said, Ron, when, when did you play for the Raiders? I played for them in those two strike games in 87. <laughs> Once a Raider, always a Raider. Very good. And when you when you cross that line, they take you in. And so that invitation goes out to all of them. And a lot of teams will wait and say, okay, four years or three years and four games or whatever to get vested. Then you become a former player in this organization. Credit to the Raiders. Like yeah. they're the alumni program. It's it's invite one, invite all. They're yeah. not exclusive at all. Yeah. Oh, they are exclusive. You're once a Raider, you're yeah, always yeah. a Raider. So that's a that's a good uh, good thing. I have are, a bunch of people that were two, but there's not a lot that are. That's three. what I mean. Yeah. So who are yeah. the twos? Twos are Peyton Manning, Colts sure. and Broncos. Sure. Adam Vinatieri, sure. uh, Pats and Colts. Yeah. Eric Dickerson, Rams and Colts. Marshall Falk, Colts and Rams. Yeah. Sam Mills, Sa- Saints and Panthers. Charles Haley, uh, Niners and Cowboys. Yeah. And Paul Warfield, Browns and Dolphins. Do they list? Mr. Lofton as the only one. With they don't three. even have him on here. Yeah, the two. They don't have a, don't have a category they for have, you. These are the big names they're trying to say. I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay. The big names. They, they, they're not all Hall of Famers uh, oh, exactly. on the list. What do you mean big names? <laughs> but, but so you should at least make the category a two, and they should put three. Yeah. yeah no, you're in a, that source you're must list. not be yes. any good. Yes. Anyways. All right. So well, who, who can trust the internet? Huh? Yeah, who can yeah. trust the internet? Hardly, yeah. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll preface the next story I'm going to share with you so jacob taylor name a stanford football great uh jim plunkett that was yours really that's it that's all you got name more toby gerhardt Gerhardt. oh my gosh name more how about touchdown tommy vardell okay how about john elway okay name a stanford wide receiver great uh doug baldwin Oh, at least he got <laughs> Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin. At least about, you got how James about Gene Washington. Okay. Tony Hill. Tony Hill. I know Tony Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Ken. How about, Ken, how about uh, Bill Keller? Who's it? Who's like? Now, Ken? I see you shaking your head. You don't know who Bill Keller is. I'll look it up. 
Bill Keller was in charge of cleated shoes for Nike, which basically meant he was in charge for football for Nike. But he was he and I graduated from Stanford together. He was drafted in the seventh round by the Kansas City Chiefs, injured his shoulder two years in a row, retired from football, and went on to a 40-plus year career with Nike. Nike. Mm. Wow. So you've uh, heard of Nike before, yes, haven't you? Yeah. 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 And, and, and what about I'll pull a name out, Kenny Margarine. Yeah, Super Bowl champion. Yeah, yeah. Curly, blonde hair, shy. Yeah. But anyways, Jacob, there's no way you you wouldn't have pulled out Stanford if Lofton wasn't here, and you yeah. did, you did the pre-pod research. I like the Doug Baldwin one though. Yeah, yeah. Guy Benjamin, Guy Benjamin, my quarterback. Yeah, yeah. there you go. So. Dr. Humor, you'll remember the story, I'm sure. So James is a wide receiver coach for the San Diego Chargers. Mm -hmm. And we've got a pretty good wide receiver room already. And we have this player. He's actually a friend of mine, so he'll like probably roll his eyes at the story. Greg Camarillo. Greg Camarillo. Okay. Greg comes in preseason physical. Everyone's doing it. And I'll admit, as a doctor, you get bored, right? So I'm always asking guys questions like, what's your major? As I'm examining and sure. doing things. And so I'm talking to him in Stanford and this, that, the other. And so I literally say to him, who's the greatest pass catcher to come out of, wide receiver to come out of Stanford? And he goes, um, now maybe he's nervous. He's thinking the doctors, it's a curveball question from the doctor. He's wondering what's about. And yeah. he goes, Ed McCaffrey. Mike, there Ed we go. McCaffrey? Yeah. Okay, he's a good player, but you're in the Chargers headquarters and you're citing a Broncos player. He goes, yeah, but, you know, I said, I kind of looked at him. I said, what about your head coach or your, your position coach, your yeah. wide receiver coach, the guy who brought you in here? And he goes, oh, yeah, James Lofton. <laughs> well, so, I mean, so he HOF, played, James Lofton? But Loftin? he played with my son, David, yeah. at Stanford. So he didn't so, look at you that way. Yeah, he didn't see me in that regard. And it, it's interesting. He never started a game at Stanford. When he first went there out of Menlo Atherton high school, he walked on as a punter. Mm. And so he kind of worked his way into, you know, playing wide receiver, third wide receiver guy covered kicks and different things like that. And I thought as a guy to fill out rookie weekend where we had drafted guys and, you know, we need three or four other guys. Here's a guy just bring in for the weekend. And he's going to work hard. He's pretty smart and uh, not going to be any trouble. And he impressed so much after the first practice. You know, he kind of had a rough time because Antonio Camardi, who we had drafted in the first round, was up on the line of scrimmage just jamming these guys like crazy and then throwing them to the ground and just doing all type of dirty stuff to them. <laughs> but the next practice we had, Greg Camarillo from every angle caught every ball that we threw to him. You could have thrown a ball as he was running away from you, and it would have stuck in his butt crack. <laughs> that's that's how impressive he was. And Marty Schottenheimer came up to me, and he said, that Camarillo guy can play, huh? And I go, I guess he can. <laughs> and then we got to the preseason, covering kicks, first guy down every time, and uh, that attitude just stayed there. So you take a guy who never started at Stanford, plays with us, goes to Miami, and then gets traded. Traded in the National Football League. Guy never started in college. Gets traded from the Miami Dolphins to the Minnesota Vikings. And then later on plays with Drew Brees down in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So 
I mean, what what a fairy tale for somebody. So I'm getting ready to do the radio broadcast for the Hall of Fame game. And so we have a close to 100 guys on each team. So you're filling in and, and I'm writing. And so you don't have enough space for all these guys on your board normally, but you just have to fill them in and not write a whole lot about them. And as I'm writing them down, I always realize this was the best player on his high school team. This is the guy who everybody was so excited when he said he was going to play college at XYZ College. And now he's getting a chance to play in the pros. So when he comes in for his eight minutes left in the game in the fourth quarter. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. And to talk about these guys and their journey to get as far as they are. And when you see a guy that doesn't say rookie, but it says first, that means somehow he survived his rookie year. He's either on the practice squad or he was in reserve, but he's now there for a second year. And that's a huge, huge accomplishment. His, his, yeah. his chance. No, you're you're right. So, so I get why Greg looked at you as David's <laughs> father, right? Yeah, exactly. But he went Ed McCaffrey, and I was like, well, "You got to be kidding, Jay!" Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's it, somebody that he saw yeah. probably when he was in high school. So I get that. So then he leaves. Of course, he passed the physical, yeah. and he comes back like an hour later. Knocks on the doctor. Uh, Can I talk to you? I'm like, yeah, sure. He goes, please. Please, please don't tell Coach Lofton what I said. Please. And he's like begging me. I'm like, don't. And I'm like, because obviously you had something to do with not only he knows you and you know him, yeah. but you brought him in anyways. And he went Ed McCaffrey. And so I literally, I said to Greg, Greg's a friend of this day. So it's that, okay. is, that, that is great. So I said to Greg, I'll make you a deal. I go, I will not tell James that what you said until you suit up on the 46th will you suit up for a game with the chargers then i get to tell him and he said deal <laughs> and so i kept it quiet until he suited up for us and then we told you the story you know it's so funny because you know we had that 53 man roster and then you have the the guys who aren't going to suit up right and greg said what would happen if i snuck over there early put on a uniform and then hid and then stuck out to the field. <laughs> oh, only he would have that type of thought that he could get away with it and be yeah. on the field. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty pretty funny. But yeah, it worked out great. He's had quite the career. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and whatever, but started with that question that the and, silly and question. he met his wife Sharon down here in San Diego too. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Yeah, they're still local here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So you've done it a lot in life, okay college at Stanford, ran track, a lot of track records, and you still run. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, college career, NFL, Hall of Famer, coach, now broadcasting. Compare, contrast, what's your favorite or least favorite parts of each of those? I mean, they're so different. You've done yeah. so many different things in life. The There's not a downside to playing other than how you, you feel on when, Monday? <laughs> no, when you when you get called into the office and they say we're going in a different direction, and those conversations are are so quick, you know, we're getting people on the outside are now getting a chance to to see it on hard knocks. Mm-hmm. It's not a twenty minute conversation. It, it all happens in probably under ninety seconds mm-hmm. when a player gets walked down to the head coach and the general manager sitting there. We're going in a different direction. That's and you know also, it's coming, right? Because you know you're heading that, the office. That's also yeah. the hardest thing as a as a player. I mean, as a coach, rather, mm-hmm. to tell a young man that 
he's not going to be on the final roster. He's not going to make the team this go around. And because you get so invested in him. I remember uh, an offensive coordinator told me or asked me, he said, why are you, why are you coaching those, those other guys so much? I said, because I owe it to them. I expect the most from them, the best from them. So why would I not return that to that same guy, even if he's not going to be on the roster? So that's, that's the, the toughest thing. And probably the toughest thing as a player, losing your friends when that cut down does come. Yeah, no question. I mean, uh, I didn't love the comment. and I won't say which coach, but uh, I remember it's true, though. Uh, after the season, he gathered everyone up and said, look around this room. You guys are special guys. And I appreciate you. Look around this room. But, you know, at least a third, if not half of you won't be here next yep. year. <laughs> I was like, well, that's true. You're but floored that's, by it. Yeah. But that's a heck of a, yeah. a post last speech, you know, after you just lost a game, you yeah. know, and uh, et cetera. I, I won't. Well, if, uh, if you, if you lose in the playoffs because you're, you're inching closer to getting to a Super Bowl, which every team wants to, I think you do have to acknowledge those players in that room. And, and when you do say, we're probably not going to all be together again. So look around the room and, and remember the faces of all these guys who are in this room because it's, it's critical. It's important. And, uh, I kind of went through that late in my career when I went to Buffalo. Mm. We played in three consecutive Super Bowls, and everybody goes, well, you know, the, the team lost four in a row. I said, it's not like we lost one on Monday and one on Tuesday and one on Wednesday. There's so much winning that goes between. on in between those things and so much struggle through the preseason, the regular season, the ups and downs, that you you learn to appreciate it once you get removed from it and once you're – looking at it from the outside. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I looked at it. I was always felt like I was super fortunate to just be in the room, so to speak. And uh, one of my favorite things that I would do, maybe this is sacrilege. My wife says it's not the best thing in the world. When we do the Lord's prayer in the locker room, we come out and everyone has their head bowed and saying the Lord's prayer. I used to say the Lord's prayer, but I would look around the room at the individuals yeah. because I thought the individual room was special. And, uh, there's always one guy would be looking around to Nick Hardwick yeah. and we'd always look, but I'd look around the room of who was there because one, even one week to the next, yep. not everybody is, is there. So, um, broadcasting, you're like loving it now. I don't think people realize how much work it is. I mean, we talk now and again because sure. you're like, Hey, what about this? Cause you, and, and it's early week. You're studying for what you have coming up and you fly out early and you have the meetings and you do all this other stuff. So I don't this think people is, realize that this is my 45th year in professional football. Mm. So I had 16 as a player, seven as a coach. Let me take my shoes off here. That, that's 23. <laughs> I was trying so, to ask you. <laughs> so 22 as a broadcaster. So oh, I've done that longer, longer. than Claire. than any of the others. Now it's it's all been in different capacities. Uh, there's been some studio work. There's been some radio work. There's been radio games. There's been college games. There's been professional games. Um, and the, the television stuff is ultimately fun. And I'll tell you a quick story. And it we throw Carlos Polk in there. Sure. Who played linebacker yeah. for us. Well, I'm doing Big Ten football or maybe Big Eight football. I can't remember which conference they were, Nebraska was in at the time. And um, Carlos is – a preseason All-American 
linebacker. Mm-hmm. And it's the second game of the year, and they're about to play Iowa State or somebody smaller like that. And about the fourth or fifth play of the game, he's chasing a play, and the fullback comes and clips him on the back of his legs. And remember, he had a bad ankle, or mm-hmm. I don't know if he broke his ankle then or whatever. But as we're going to commercial, we see the replay, and it it is a cheap shot. Mm. Highlight, capital letters, big block, underline it, cheap shot. And so while we're in the commercial break, they said, okay, Lofton, you're going to take this when we come out of break, and I'm just going to rip this guy. And right before we get ready to go back on the air, the director goes in my ear and he says, Remember, his parents are listening. Oh, <laughs> oh my, oh my <laughs> goodness. So I come back. I say, Joe Blow, the freshman fullback from Iowa State, they've been telling him all week long, you've got to block Carlos Polk. You've got to block Carlos Polk. I bet this kid doesn't even realize Carlos Polk is running away from him when he goes to hit him. <laughs> That's what happens when you're a freshman and you're so excited about playing against a top player like Carlos Polk. <laughs> and it, it changed the way that I thought about how do you broadcast a game? Because as an analyst, you're, you're always giving your opinion. You're talking uh-huh. about guys' effort, uh-huh. different things like that. And there's a good part of the game that you can always talk about. Now, if, if you're doing an NFL game and the left tackle is giving up four sacks, you're not going to sugarcoat that. He's mm-hmm. given up four sacks. He's been overmatched. They should have given him some help. Mm-hmm. But when somebody's given an honest effort and there's a big play being made, there's a good equation, good side of the equation, and then there's the side of the equation that didn't work out. Sure. We talk and, about the side and, of the equation that and, works and out. And that's actually why only until very recently, Sports Injury Central and us, we, we haven't covered a lot of college football because yeah. they were amateur athletes. Yep. Now with NIL, we feel feel it's more fair yep. to, to cover them. You know, and talk for, about, for about 20 injuries. different teams. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But, but those are the ones that people are interested yes. in anyways. Now, you say, what do you say in broadcast? Uh, so you do NFL games for CBS. Do NFL games for CBS. Yeah. Have you ever, I guess, I, I know the answer is no, because no one's ever seen anything like that. But what would you have done or how would you have tried to handle the DeMar Hamlin situation if that was your game? So when it happened... I immediately picked up the phone and called Tim Lewis. Tim Lewis was a first-round defensive back out of Pittsburgh. And in 1985, I believe, we were playing the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. And uh, Willie Galt from the Bears had caught a pass. And when he was about to be tackled, he dipped his head. And Tim was in the hitting position. And Tim was lying on the ground, Mm. lifeless afterwards. Mm. Uh, he's since recovered and got his, but he did have to retire after that hit. So it just made me think about him because it's the unknown factor. When hits look so harmless and then you have this result afterwards, nobody really knows what to say. Um, but you are compelled to continue to talk. Tough. Because you're on the air. You, you just They're not just going to cut away, and you're not going to be able to stop. So it's, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, it, we, we had a good result on that one. My uh, first game that I played in Green Bay, we played on the road in week one against the Detroit Lions. And I know I'm skipping around. Week two, we're coming home to play the Oakland Raiders. Mm-hmm. 
well, we go back and we're going to watch the three previous games. Well, in one of those previous games was the Daryl Stingley hit with Jack mm. Tatum. Mm. So, you know, because we're just watching it on film, no, nobody cut that play out. So I saw that. And, you know, that kind of shakes you up a little bit because back then, 1978, there, there was no sports center. There, there was no 24-hour coverage of it. Mm-hmm. So you had heard about it, and we were unfortunately having to, to take a look at it as we're watching that game film from that preseason game with the Patriots and the Oakland Raiders. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the camera probably sees it, and, and people hear it in your voice, yeah. the emotion of what you're talking about here. And um, I was – surprised i mean uh when the demar hamlin thing happened you know uh, i was surprised at how emotional i was i, I didn't know demar hamlin but i feel like yeah. i've known kids like him sure right and uh and at the time it's like who knows he could die and and we internally got on a conference call because it was a monday game and by the way i think espn did a great job they never showed the cpr they did a, yeah. a lot of, they, they did a great job we talked about it as sports injury central and said, and my initial reaction was we shouldn't do this. We're not ambulance chasing this thing. This kid could die. And then I thought about it. And then I said, you know, and I don't know if it's right, wrong or whatever. I said, if we're here to cover the medical aspects, and this is the biggest medical story there is not clickbait, not anti, like you found a way to talk about that kid. Right. I feel like we learned a lot because what we said initially is with the hit, how he got up and went down, this is not his head. This is cardiac. Mm-hmm. Let's wish him the best. That's sort of the first. And then we went on, you know, the, the Twitter live Periscope live thing. And, and I, I was way more emotional than you were or now because it's remote. But at the time I was like, yeah, the, you know, we talked about the possibility of commotion cordis, but what we talked about was look, other than in an emergency room, even better than a hospital waiting room or hallway, other than in a hospital emergency room, there's no better place to have a cardiac event than on an NFL field or sideline. It's witnessed. There's 25 plus between both sides, medical professionals, AED, defibrillators, oxygen, uh, emergency action plan, the ambulance, all the equipment there. So I thought, we were hoping to make people feel a little better about that. And then I saw a lot of questions about why is he still on the field? Why is he being loaded in the ambulance? Why is he in the ambulance? And why is the ambulance sitting on the field? Why is it not driving off? And we were Those trying- are only things that you could know if you're right there with hands on, right? Well, yes and no. So what we said or I said is the reason why the ambulance doesn't, the reason why the guy's on the field is they're actively treating him. And you only put someone on a gurney to move them. You, when you're actively doing CPR, you're not you wouldn't want them. Yeah, you're yeah. not trying to delay that by moving them, especially, and look, I get it. If you're in an accident on a country road and it's just the ambulance, two ambulance drivers, there's a little bit of quicker load and let's drive to the hospital where we have more help. But when you have 25 plus people there, there isn't the hurry to have the ambulance speed off because once you get in the ambulance and speed off, there's only the guy in back and the driver. Yeah. Now maybe a doctor rides along. Okay. But there's only so much room. So you're better off on the field. You're better off taking the time to get him 
Right. And we were just explaining that. How, how many times was he resuscitated? And did, did, they, did they just get to the point where, okay, he's resuscitated or they're close calls and did his heart stop more than once? I don't know those details because I don't know that it's been reported, but certainly CPR was done. And once you start CPR, it's a process. And it's not, sometimes you get shocked more than once, mm -hmm. right? I don't know how many right. times he was shocked. I don't know how long the pumping on the chest was. But one of the other things that I think what we said, and this is way different, like, unfortunately, we have all seen people go off on a collar and spine board. Right. And thankfully, knock on wood, most times they're okay. Not always, but most times they are. But nobody in this room or listening 0.01% of people in the world have seen CPR being performed live. Yeah. And the fact, and that's what was on Josh Allen's face and others, right? You were seeing CPR being performed live on your friend who's young and healthy. And that's what led me to say, I hope to God that they restart this game. Not because of the game, but because I don't see how you possibly can restart the game without knowing behind the scenes that he was going to be okay. Yeah. If there was a question mark on whether he was going to be okay, emotionally, you cannot play that game, period. I don't care which team that you're on that day. And I did take a lot of solace in, in that ESPN reported that the ambulance picked up mom on the way to the hospital. I don't believe they were looking for mom. I think it was they pulled out into the tunnel and they stopped to do there something. She was. And there she was. She's knocking yeah. on the door. If they were actively doing CPR and his life was in the balance, they're not stopping. But even if they did stop, they're not letting anyone in. The fact that they let somebody in to me, and I was hopeful, and in the end, it was he was still intubated and it wasn't a good look and you know, whatever. But in the end, now he's playing and he's, quote, fine. I think that was another early sign. So I feel like that's our role to give some analysis to a situation we don't know anything directly about, but just by context of, of what it is. You know, it's, it's physical contact game. And when it goes off the rail a little bit, uh, when you have an injury where somebody's hurt their knee or their shoulder, or you have a concussion or you're knocked out and you have to get that player off the field and then the players have to hit the reset button. But you're right to having witnessed your teammate, your opponent performing CPR on them. And for the, I remember when I did my CPR training, uh -huh. you know, and, and you, you know, get the big plastic dummy there oh, and sure. on sure. the chest and then you, they show you how to breathe and what you're supposed to do and different things like that. And you don't imagine trying to do it on a person who who's live, but, that's the rub there because that person really isn't alive unless you can bring them back. So that's, and, and that's and, what you don't even think about. And for an untrained person, even if you've had CPR training, but to, 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 to eyeball that, yeah. and they didn't show it on the broadcast. Yeah. It's like incredibly yeah. disturbing uh, for anybody. Yeah. And so um, good, happy ending to that right now. So that certainly is good. All right, let's end on a lighter, much lighter topic. Yes. Did not mean to go there. These guys know we don't script anything. We, we just, it's a conversation, right? So I've been wondering this. So I want to ask you a question. Look, Tom Brady. Greatest of all. Oh, no. Okay, yeah. Greatest of all time. Yeah. 
Tom Brady, goat, da 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 da. There's no question in my mind that he has the ability, intellect, and to be an NFL analyst. Like he signed this big contract. Sure. There's no question, you know, uh, that he can do it. He has the brain smarts, obviously football knowledge. But do you think he ever will do the booth? Because A, the booth is a very hard job in being PC and correct and political. Yes. The booth is very, it's a lot easier to slip and say something where people are going to get all over you than to say something so great that people are going to applaud you and and, and hail you. And in the end, he's got a lot of things going on in life. Yeah, he's going to get paid healthily for this, but the work that you have to do to be good, you can't fly in before the game and do the game. I mean, you've got all the interview stuff, but also the preparation, all the time that you spend. But, but is it? He's got family. He's got kids. He's got. Is it going to be worthwhile? Do you think he'll ever broadcast NFL games, or will he say this is just? I can. I know I can do this. Or is too much? Or was he look at it as a challenge and say, "Yeah, I'm going to do this." Well, for for so long he was covered by the Patriot way, and so he didn't have to answer questions in depth like mm-hmm. like other quarterbacks might have had to around the league. Um, but the one thing that, that I really believe is that the preparation wouldn't bother him. He, he would get immersed in that. Does he really, really, really want to do it? I'm, I'm not sure about that. And it's interesting that he's in a position where, uh, 35 million, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I need, need that extra change to, to yeah. make my life complete and be what it's going to be. But, but he, he could do it. And the the times that I've been around him, he is so respectful of the game Mm -hmm. that he would love doing it. Um, We we are uh, captivated by the Manning brothers and and the path that they've taken, where they've carved out their own niche to doing a lot of things that are probably more lucrative than a network would be able to pay them because they have ownership of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So Tom Brady is looking at that and going, you know, Let's be owners. And uh, you hear that a lot from the players who are playing. Now, I want to be an owner of something. Um, We just found out that Patrick Mahomes' wife is the owner of a soccer team, women's soccer team. So that ownership thing is a big deal. Uh, Well, you make that's a great point. I didn't think about that ownership side, but I just like, you know, it's a massive amount of money. It's a lot of hard work. I know he can do it. It's just, I know he can do it. Right. But in the end, is it going to be worth it for him to do it? I'm not sure, right? Because it's just. It, did he did he ink a ten year deal? I don't know what the deal. See, I, I I really thought that this would have been a nice starting point last year if he could have been the third man in the booth for Fox for the Super Bowl, to go in there and that would have been a a great way for the biggest stage, a game that you don't have to carry that he could have worked with. Uh, Greg Olson and Tom Burkhart uh-huh. and and been the third guy in there. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. Yeah. Ten For years, three hundred seventy-five. Yeah, that would have worked well. So my my deal with CBS was very similar to that, but a lot of it was deferred okay. until never. Right. Until <laughs> never. <laughs> <laughs> there 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 might have been a three in there. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. It was yeah. The, the period was before this everything yeah. started. <laughs> no, I just was wondering because because I. I mean, 
look, we all respect what you did on the football field yeah. and as a coach, but I don't think people see enough the respect that broadcasters and, and the analysts get because it's a lot of, there's a lot to it yeah. beyond what the public sees. So I was just wondering if what you thought about that. All right, anything else you want to bring up or talk about here before we wrap up and go I, to part two? I, I think we've covered a lot, um, but the, the Tom Brady stuff is fun. Um, we've got some great quarterback stuff going on in the in the league this year, and just the two that just jump out at me are how's Russell Wilson going to do? And Aaron Rodgers in New York, what a great story. Aaron Rodgers struggled a little bit last year. And, you know, he wasn't – can he be an MVP again at 39? I think that's maybe what they need. All right, James, thank you very much. We'll take a quick break, and we'll continue with our much more boring part two rundown <laughs> of things than uh, this conversation. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I had a blast, really did. All right, welcome back to part two of the Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast. Jacob and Taylor are still here. We let Mr. Lofton go from the studios here. Um, went a little longer than, I don't know. We were just chatting. And Fun to talk to. It seems like broadcast expert at this point. He's a, He's been broadcasting longer than he played football. So He's a complete broad, broadcast yeah. expert. He's just a good guy, a smart guy, right? Super well-spoken, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Pardon me, but to me, that's not really an interview. It's just... I felt like no time passed, which is just talking and, no. and what questions that I might have for right. him, you know, about different things. So it's fun. And uh, it's part of our Hall of Fame series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Who should we get next? Got a good collection now. The Hall yeah. of Fame game's coming up soon. So I know yeah, yeah, it is coming exactly. up soon. We, yeah, we can go down that path or go, go somewhere else. I know there's one guest I might not have on for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Camarillo. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Greg, I love you, Greg. <laughs> And the kids come over, swim. <laughs> hey, oh, we're yeah. uh, I'll buy you uh, drinks, <laughs> dinner. I owe you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He can come to the company, uh, the company pool party. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're approaching the uh, the dog days of summer camp or uh, summer camp training camp. So uh, it's already spicing up uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Colts talk. Obviously, everyone's monitoring the Jonathan Taylor situation during a podcast, Tim Patrick. Yep. Achilles. Yeah. Yes. Tim Patrick goes down for the second straight year for the Broncos. So maybe some, some depth issues there. KJ Hamler is coming back from his peck. Um, so interesting. I think the how peck, these cluster up the, the peck will be fine. I'm right. not worried about the peck. He's had past knee stuff, hip stuff. He past knee yeah. stuff. We got to consider Jer- my, my Scott fist, Jerry Judy without Tim. No, I'm just <laughs> That does help, though. That does help. For I'm sure. sure a lot of uh, Scott Fish drafters who took Jonathan Taylor are sweating. So, what's uh, break down what the NFI list is for us, Doc? How can they put him on that? I mean, we don't even have to go into. Is the back injury real? It, there's a lot okay. of questions out there for sure. Okay, so NFI is non-football injury, and it's actually not non-football injury. It's non-NFL injury. Right. right. That's why a college kid coming in with an injury is nfi mm-hmm. not you know like not football he did that you know in the bowl game no, jameson williams right yeah for it's mm-hmm. not nfl mm-hmm. related is what that means which means they don't have to pay you naeem heinz he he said or uh, and he tweeted that he was the definition of an nfi injury getting ran into on a jet ski yeah he is the definition of an nfi injury now there are times that teams will see it as nfi but decide to not 
NFI him. Right, right. right? But as was it Juwan James towards Achilles during the – He was on the Broncos then. Yep, yep. NFL, PA. It wasn't a lockout. It, it was, was uh, you know, do your own thing. Stay you know, away we, from yes, – Yes, yeah. OTA stuff. Until we figure this deal out or whatever, yeah. COVID took, restrictions. Took towards Achilles and they put him on NFI, mm-hmm. right? But on the other hand, he went to um, the Ravens. The Ravens, and we said he's not going to contribute to the Ravens this year, and he didn't. But the Ravens signed him and paid him. Why? Right. They're looking at the future and say it's okay. We we put our arms around you. We like you. So a lot of it is how much do you like them, right? Or not, right? And uh, it's uh, it's kind of uh i won't say it <laughs> walking on eggshells yeah <laughs> no i mean I, i'm just using fun you know me i'm just using funny analogies i mean <laughs> is it a good or a bad thing that the girl wants to go dutch and not let you buy a dinner or, or i mean it's like yeah you can read into it read into Either way. different things i mean it's not all i mean the same right? right it's just there's all sorts of different analogies you'll excuse certain things and go ahead and pay somebody if they're really part of the long-term future and if you're already falling out of favor then it's a way to get out so that's nfi pup by the way right now everyone who's on pup is on active pup they're part of the 90-man roster if you get converted to reserve pup that's for the regular season you're not part of the 53-man roster and you need six weeks to come back but here's the other fallacy being on pup does not mean you're done for six weeks of the regular season. You can come off any time. Right. And not being on PUP doesn't mean that you're fine for week one or 100% healthy. Right. The distinction is if you're on PUP active, you can get flipped to reserve PUP. And it doesn't count as a roster spot. If you are not on PUP. But the problem is if you are on PUP, you cannot practice with the team. Mm-hmm. You're working on your own off to the side. Don't you want Brock Purdy working with the team? Give him his days off. He's not 100% yet. Manage him. Yeah. Manage him. Yeah. But you want this young quarterback who's still not a full year in the NFL with his time missing. He hasn't had a full one-year cycle yet. You want him to practice with the team. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not a surprise he's not on PUP, but don't tell me he's 100% yet. Now, is he tracking well to play week one? Yes, he is, but he's not 100%. Kyler Murray is on PUP. He can't practice with the team. They want him to practice with the team. New system, new people, new coach, but he's just not even ready to practice with the team. So that almost indicates that he's a ways off. Look, Brees Hall. PUP. He hasn't come off yet, has he? No, he has not. I would not expect him to. He's not ready to practice with the team. Sure, he looks good running a straight line. He gets up to 23 miles an hour, but it's not decel and cutting. He's not ready yet. Right. And it's not an accident that Dalvin Cook, I mean, right now, it's probably off the board now, but one of our favorite sick picks, if we were, what were we last year on future sick picks? Let me get the exact. It's pretty good, but whatever. Yeah. Top of my head, it was like eight and three, I think. Yeah, for for Seven individuals, three, like that. but then teams, but whatever. Right, right. Bottom line is, one of the ones we loved this year was Brees Hall under eight hundred yards. That's off the board now, I'm sure. Oh, it's going to sure. be readjusted, yeah, to its lower number. Yep. 
we're already seeing injuries and then reactions to injuries. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, we're saying maybe it'd be uh, fortunate to come back at the end of the season and look like Jalen Ramsey. And uh, they already signed Eli Apple to add to that cornerback depth. I mean, they well, have some rookies and, they're throwing and, and, in. But... And you can make the argument that, look, you needed someone until December anyway. So right. Eli Apple made some sense, right? We were 11 now. and 6 last year overall, uh, 7 and 5 for the player futures props and uh, 4 and 1 team futures. 65 for, 65%, though. So, anyways, um, one of the favorites was Brees Hall. Now, mm-hmm. uh, Jalen uh, um, Ramsey. Ramsey. Eli Apple makes sense because he's not back until December, anyways. But I'm not sure he's even back there. Look, Adrian Peterson, 2016, is an example. Mr. Unicorn ACL recovery from previously. Week two, meniscus repair. And at the time, I said, I'm not sure he's coming back. He came back week 15 when there were 17 weeks. Right. Six carries, 22 yards. He, and he pulled a groin, pulled a groin and missed the last two games. So acclimation injuries are a factor Acclimate, too when you come back. Yeah, at corner and right. running back. But mm-hmm. And the Vikings then were maybe a little out of the playoffs. That had something to do with it. But basically, it was essentially season. Yeah. Same thing for Jalen Ramsey. You can say, well, he can come back. It's, this is uh, early training camp versus week two. What happened with uh, – Darren James. Derwin James. Yeah. Mm, good. August meniscus repair, Chargers season. Now, what changes the PUP dynamic a little mm-hmm, bit? Mm-hmm. See, previously, when you didn't have the designated to returns, and now not only do you have, you have unlimited designated to returns. So the PUP roster spot isn't that important anymore. You had to get a, keep a guy on PUP to save the right to use that spot. And to lock it in. Yeah. To hold him out six weeks, and it could be longer, mm-hmm. and then bring him back. And you had to balance that against the need to practice. Now you don't have to. Let him practice. If Brock Purdy has a step backwards, you're not bur- going to burn a roster spot carrying him. You're going to put him on injured reserve. And bring them back after six weeks of the season. Right. Say it's a new injury. No big deal. Javante Williams. Some of these guys that are off of PUP, good to hear, but it doesn't mean they're 100%. The utilization of PUP has changed because of the short-term IR designations now mm-hmm. that are unlimited. It's a different world. So playoff Playoffs, I mean, it's early to talk about playoffs. It's not even uh, preseason games yet, but... Dolphins make it in mid-January is a maybe target. Is that a little better or is it? There's a difference of return to play and be Jalen Ramsey. Right. I don't see how he can return to play and be Jalen Ramsey right. in December, maybe even playoffs. The game of football is too hard. Okay, meniscus repair where you're not putting weight on it, not rehabbing for the first six weeks minimum, the atrophy that occurs, then the rehabbing around it you know and he plays a dynamic position where he has to react to the ball be surprised if he plays and is effective i won't doubt that by timeline december could work i'm just saying based on nfl experience there's more to it and uh you know he's uh much more likely to not play at all then return and play Pro Bowl caliber Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, there's a number of uh, cornerbacks coming back off ACL that last year we were 
strain away. So we have some named Shadobi Awuzie and guys like that. Uh, that's all included in the preseason report. Um, get that on Wednesday, actually, oh, is okay. when uh, Good. we finally have the, the release date. So check out the website. We got plenty of uh, previews out and our fantasy content as well. That'll be included um, and tease some future picks in there, too. So you get the uh, get the preseason preview and you can look at our future record from last year and uh, and what we're, we're liking this year. Great, perfect, and uh, our, our our terribleness on last year's uh, preseason or futures. I mean, we're playing the unders this year. Let's tell you that. <laughs> no, no, no. no I, I'm mean, kidding. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's not universal. I, I think like we that, were but... a little bit uh, over our skis, and we talked about Russell Wilson early on. A better excitement for Russell Wilson and a Cortland Sutton second year off ACL. And yeah, that right. was that was a disaster. We got juiced a little bit on there. Yeah. That was a the, you take you take away the the Broncos debacle and our record is really really good. Without it, it's still sixty five percent. But you take away those three. Jerry Judy wrapped up in that too. You think he was a touchdown short? So Judy got yeah. hurt. That's what yeah. he got hurt. He missed a couple weeks. No, too. but, but yeah. Judy Sutton and and, yeah. and Wilson. They were uh, take out the Broncos. Yep. You might so yeah. you take out three losses and zero wins. That that record gets even better you got we, sucked in the hype a little bit we, yeah uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks everyone uh let's, did you have anything else to add doc john the taylor is we're, it's just a wait and see is that a player association issue <sighs> injuries are dicey this is where it's dicey clearly there's something going on there right and he, Jonathan Taylor's right. Leaks happen for a reason. They're just not, this is not Woodward and Bernstein and we discovered something. <laughs> right, right. Okay. <laughs> and it went to two different people. Yeah. And then who knows what the owner's saying or doing, how much that has to do with anything. But clearly things are not good. Now, could the Colts put him on NFI if he has a pre existing back condition? Yes, they could. Assuming it's pre-existing, but they'd also have to get the team doctors to play along there. How likely are the team doctors? Like, I would never lie about it. My credibility in the locker room, look, whenever it got close, and it never got that close. Okay, I'll give you an example. We had a player once, and I won't say his name. Doc, you keep saying he can play. I'm like, yeah, I think he can. And uh, you need to tell him he's got to play. I said, it's not my job. My job is to say, how hurt is he? Could he play through? What's the risks? That's not my job. That's not what you pay me to do. You got you as the GM or the head coach, position coach, got to tell him that. Tell the other players to tell him that. That's not my job to tell him to play. Because um, what's the best thing for him? Don't play football. Yeah. I mean, no matter what. <laughs> I mean, it's never going to be a sport. A, it's never going to be something that increases your Would health. I clear him to play? Yes. Is he able to play? Yes. Does he feel like he could play effectively and defend himself and not get hurt? That's up to him. That's not my job to say that. Yeah. And I would never jeopardize my credibility in the locker room to say that. I think I told you guys this before. Hey, how's so-and-so? Uh, is he healthy yet? We're going to cut him as soon as he's healthy because you can't cut an injury. Guy. Right. I told him, don't tell me that because that might inadvertently make me, I don't want it to make me declare him healthy a week earlier. Right. Cause it costs some money. Right. And I don't want it to make me declare him healthy a month later. Cause I like the guy. Okay. I said, don't tell me that information. 
Yeah. Let me play it straight. I be, got to be able to look at guys in the locker room and have them trust me and I trust them and have relationships. You can't violate that. And if the doctor does, and I doubt that the Colts doctor would, but now if he really did complain of back injuries before, could the team stick it to him and do that? They could sort of as a way to force him to, you know, come in and play. But what the Players Association president, J.C. Treader said, Look, if you're in camp, there's a lot of back injuries that are hard to prove. Like you, you do an MRI, oh, you got to some degenerative change. Yeah, it hurts. It's sore. I mean, it does not always black and white. And you could say, well, I can't make it today. And there's nothing the team can do about it. So there's some jockeying both ways, which is why more and more now, I think there are times when I'm getting agent calls. Like, what do you think? The team's saying this. How do we, you know, you know, what do we decide this situation medically? The problem with that is whenever that happens, I now no longer can say anything about the situation (laughs) because I because we're about insider knowledge, not insider information. I'm sworn to secrecy based on HIPAA. And also once I enter the fray with that insider information. And so I don't love doing that, but if somebody calls, I have and and we'll give them some advice. No fantasy player stock. They're off the list. (laughs) Uh, Before we go, uh, we were just speaking about Hamler. Um, It just came out. He's been diagnosed with a mild heart irritation called periocarditis. Um, Hamler said his chest was hurting during workouts, was later diagnosed after it was checked out. So um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, Here we go, right? I mean, pericarditis, myocarditis, COVID, vaccine. Look, there's been myocarditis, pericarditis associated with COVID. Right. A lot of people think of the vaccine, but that's been around before COVID or vaccines ever existed. I think it depends. Pericarditis is an inflammation of the lining around the heart. Okay. The good news is most of the time, not that dangerous and self-limiting. So if this were week one of the season, I think you'd have to prepare for significant weeks okay. you know, of time. I haven't seen him and I'm not right. a cardiologist, but you know, we've dealt with this before in sports medicine. As I always say to people, uh, whether it's Bronny James or DeMar Hamlin, look, yeah, I'm not the guy that would have been in charge of that, but right. I'm the guy in charge of medical who takes care of that. And so it all funnels through me. Like, you know, you may have a special teams coach or a wide receiver coach, but it all funnels through the head coach. Uh, when you're speaking for what you guys are doing and what mm-hmm. you're planning to do um, and analyzing things. So, so that's kind of what I try and do to you guys in the public is I put on my head team physician hat. Uh, but pericarditis, um, you know, if you look, could you draft them? That's what people want to know. If everyone else is staying away, I think you can draft them and get a little bit of a bargain. It's like Mo Hurst, right? When the Raiders drafted him. Yeah, but the defensive player, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But that's a different situation. Yeah. That wasn't pericarditis. Uh, but you got to look at the individual situation. He's going to miss some practice time. Mm-hmm. And how does that affect what's happening? New regime and all that, yeah. New, new regime. But in terms of purely, do I expect, to, expect him to go on injured reserve for the season? No. Right. I expect him to play and probably be ready to play, fingers crossed, depending on the individual medical circumstances. Still got a reasonable chance to play for the start of the season. It's a tough day for Broncos wide yeah. receivers, right? With Patrick and him. Anything happened last year seemed like yeah. just repeat. So, and you can get all the latest in the preseason injury report. Uh, it'll be out Wednesday. So, check it out on the website. Um, 
follow along on Twitter, TikTok, all the all the uh, fun platforms. So I got a question for you guys. You guys talked about Beast of the Week and that Bears tackle. I guess he's a first. Oh, round. I called you about that. Yeah. I was trying to think about that. I couldn't his, remember his first round draft pick. Right? Darnell Wright. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And he he did all the wide receiver drills, and then he crushed his. Yeah. He his was, stu- he was studying. He was studying to do the wide receiver conditioning tests, and he ended up doing the offensive line <laughs> test and crushing it. Apparently, yeah. But did he did he do it on purpose, or is it by accident? Someone sent him the wrong thing, or did he read the wrong section? Yeah, like like wide receiver was first, yes. and he just did yeah. that one what was the was it purposeful was it an honest mistake on whoever sent him the program Mm -hmm. was it honest mistake on his part or was it purposeful that he did that do we ever figure that out i don't think it matters i think it's like doing a math problem the wrong way but you get the right answer he admitted that it was um (laughs) he accidentally read read the wrong thing but i don't know if he was sent the wrong thing and there was or he didn't that sounds like he just didn't look past that's what i'm thinking too yeah I just well, didn't know how it was when you were there. I don't know how they sent conditioning stuff. Well, I failed yeah. every one, but that's yeah. it. <laughs> or wait, I never failed one because they never gave okay. it <laughs> this way. You guys know analogies, kid stuff. Mm-hmm. My 10 year olds in San Diego, I tell them, if you're going to live in San Diego, you got to do junior lifeguards. It's a great program, but it's mm-hmm. hectic. Yeah. So they're 10. So now they have to pass a swim test. They have to swim. Uh, 200 yards yeah 200 yards yeah i think so two football fields 200 yards in three minutes did i get that right no maybe it's 100 yards in three minutes i, I 203 sounds hard yeah it's difficult. 100 <laughs> yards yeah. I, I actually swam some so i get that yeah. 100 yards so four laps of this a regular swimming pool not right. olympic swimming pool a regular, regular. big yeah. swimming pool four laps within three minutes i think I mean, I think that's what it is. Okay. And as we were in our pool, which is not 25 yards, uh, I was jury rigging a little bit, say you got to do eight laps and it probably was six and a half, but you know, push off the wall, whatever. I wanted to make the test harder. So they passed the three minute mark easily. Mm -hmm. Right. As opposed to barely doing it, set the bar higher. So when they actually go, so good on him, he made an innocent mistake. He worked harder. He lost some weight. Good, good on him. I don't know. I mean, you told me it was purposeful because he wanted you to. I'd make him be. I'm week. excited to call him when I called him about it. And he was accidental. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, he was good, like this. Good, honest mistake <laughs> to, to tip ball and you caught it for a touchdown. Yeah. You know, uh, the 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 O lineman's dream. Defensive player hit it. He caught it and he stumbled into the end zone. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that wasn't what's supposed to be what happened, but it worked right, out. Right. right place, right time. You hustled downfield at least. I mean, after the play. Well, I think they developed a new draft technique you draft uh someone who's a little little overweight overweight than what you'd like to come into camp just send them the wrong conditioning test automatic still gotta do it yeah you gotta do all the work yeah. i mean it's not that think, easy i don't think too many players would be that upset like oh you made me train for this and then now i passed mine with flying colors <laughs> you don't want to barely pass so i don't know oh good on him all right guys um lots to talk about um Exciting. We had our big meeting this morning with the staff, the whole yeah. deal, and um, lots of new things coming. Go to SICscore.com. Football season is here. You guys are really like sick insights this year. You're, you're going to want to bookmark it mm-hmm. for fantasy because all the top guys, boom, right there. Uh, kind of deal. Tim Patrick already up. Yeah, stuff Not like that. Already yeah. sick data is going to be great. Sick picks is still there. The preseason injury preview, he said Wednesday. 
videos still coming, uh, et cetera. It's a fun time. Fun time. Mm -hmm. Good job on Joe Burrow. I mean, kind of mad at Zach Taylor there. I know. You? Usually he doesn't say it that quickly. <laughs> we, we, you guys pieced it together with all the video and said it to me. I'm in clinic and we put out the video and had the calf strain and then within 30 minutes after. And, and they do say it's grade one. Yeah. I don't buy it. I also just said weeks, not a number. So my dad just texted me gastroc when he saw it. I was like, oh, he's like, he's, <laughs> he's medial yeah. gastroc. Medial he's in gastroc, the medical field. So he medial gastroc. Yeah. Yeah. We call it calf. I don't like using big words. Medial calf. <laughs> I didn't know what he meant at first. Like, Look, if it really was a grade one, which is the lowest form of calf strain. Right. Is Joe Burrow that overreactive and dramatic? No, no that was a way. Pretty good limp. Yeah, he limped. No yeah. way. To me, it, that's screaming at least grade two. Right. Even if it were grade three, he's playing week one. He can play from the pocket. When is he going to practice again? I don't know. They already said weeks. I'm surprised if they would say weeks with a grade one. Right. I mean, they let him out there with a sleeve when there was tightness. I was going to say he had the he had the sleeve. Did that? Does that mean an elevated grade? Does it relate at all to that? No. I mean, to me, it's a grade two. Could even be a three. Mm -hmm. Grade one, I don't buy. But someone tweeted me, "Hey, didn't they already say grade one?" I was like, "Yeah, but that's injury reporting." They, they would that's never say grade two or three. I mean, I mean, they freak scare, people scare out. People. Yeah, freak exactly. people out. Yeah. All you're required to do in the NFL is a body part and a status in preseason right now, you actually don't need to say a thing. No. It's legal to say leg questionable leg out part of the calf. I mean, if you went NHL style, lower body, upper body, someone would come down on you. And the only time you have to indicate side is when. I don't know. When, I don't know either. When it involves a quarterback. Oh, his you arm. Can't yeah, say, that's right. You yeah. can't say shoulder. You have to say right <laughs> left, shoulder left or left elbow. shoulder. Yep, yeah, you're right. You have to yes. say elbow, yep. right or left, right? Josh Allen was lately said the exact elbow. You have to say yeah. a defender, you could just say shoulder. Yeah. And that's it. You don't need to say anything else. Shoulder what? Fill in the blank. It's body part and status. And in the preseason, you don't have to give any of it. That no, was interesting because he came from Sean McVay's school. So they, he doesn't, Sean McVay taught them. They don't, or whoever taught him as well, they don't speak about injuries. So when Mixon had that foot thing, they he danced around that for weeks. So I was kind of surprised that he went right to it. I know, think but. the reason why he did is because he was rightfully defending his medical staff. Mm -hmm. Look, the sleeve was not an injury that we were pushing him right. through, right. it was tightness. And so it's like, it's better to quell the controversy. If he were to say nothing, the controversy would have continued to swirl. Yeah. Right. So he's better quelching it. And but you know, as we always say, it's coach speak. Which side are you on, though? And if I were a Bengals fan, I'd applaud Zach Taylor for not talking about Mixon. I'd applaud Zach Taylor for clarifying Joe Burrow right. in the way that he wants to clarify it. Right? It's whatever. I mean, there's only one Bill Belichick who just says nothing. Right. And you're just used to him saying nothing. Mm -hmm. But then you're also used to him saying everything on the injury report because there's 12 questionables every week during the season. And because there's a 1% chance they won't play, it's legal. Yep. Right. And so he's playing the game. So to me, it's all about consistency and how you read. Like uh, Kenneth Walker, like a groin is a big deal. Mm -hmm. But I'm worried about Kenneth Walker. Here's your other tip. When Pollyanna Pete, and I say this in the kindest of ways, <laughs> Pete Carroll, over the time we've studied it, has always been so, glass yeah, half full, yes, you yes, know? So optimistic. 
And he's already saying weeks on Kenneth Walker with a groin. That's not. Do good. you remember Bruce yeah. Irvin? Bruce Irvin, he was like, "Oh, his knee's okay." Duh. And you said ACL before yeah. that, and it was <laughs> end up being ACL. Yeah. I, I like. I'm not hating on Pete Carroll. I, just, I'm a Pete Carroll fan. I'm just saying that's his yeah. style. Yeah, uh, kind of. Every you know. coach has different speakers. Why? So yeah. I don't know what we have. Uh, you guys already have for uh, six score and Kenneth Walker, but it might go down a little bit for the season. So their yeah. whole team too. Um, the running backs group. Uh, Zach Charbonnet. Um, he's a rookie. He's supposed to take some time. He hurt his shoulder. We don't know the significance about that, but he said they said indefinitely on him. So that's one too right there. And guys, help us out. I mean, we try and monitor it all. You, if you look at Twitter timeline, you see we had nine people at the meeting this morning and two others remotely. We've got a good staff of people, but uh, we're looking for help interns. And, and if you have a specific question about a player or whatever, uh, tweet us uh, at the six score. Absolutely, account. Yeah. Uh, mine's fine too, but I don't necessarily see them all. Six score account, they'll do it. And then make sure you tag when there's video. Like we don't have any videos, Zach Charbonneau. We don't, we don't know. But you guys are really good at getting video of Joe Burrow so early that we were while – their practice wasn't even over yet. We were able to come up with right. something. Zach Charbonneau, no, no video. I, I, it's hard to say. And it's not just because you have video. We can always do it. But that's kind of what we do. So, all right, guys. Thanks for uh, listening, watching. Sorry we went long, but I think it's fun with uh, James Lofton. And, um, yeah, he should be more in the record books for yeah. this three-team. <laughs> he invented a category. Yeah. I think that's a good thing because that's not – that's rare. I think you're right yeah. for saying that.